Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Omega Metroid Podcast. My name is Andy Spateri, and of course, I am joined by Dakota Lasky. Dak, I think a lot of people are wondering if you and I are still on speaking terms after last week. And we're not, if you were wondering. We are not. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right, though, all things considered. It's, uh, yes. it's, it, it's crazy that it's June right now, mid-June, even. Yep. And uh, yeah, but I'm I'm ready to uh, to chat and get my mind off a couple things and all that. So yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm right with you. I'm ready to uh, distract ourselves a little bit. But I do have uh, a couple things that I want to plug before we get into today's show, which is going to be all about not Metroid, but Axiom Verge. But before we get there, um, I want to let everybody know. I think that most people listening to this know that I also serve as the editor-in-chief over at ZeldaDungeon.net. And, um, you know, one of the things that that we're doing uh, to just help the Black Lives Matter cause is we are having a fundraiser live stream this Saturday, the 20th, at 8 p.m. Mountain Time, 9 p.m. Central Time. Um, and we're going to be ranking all of the different Zelda games on like one of those, you know, those tier things that you see all the Smash Bros characters in. We're going to be doing that. We're going to rank every single Zelda game ever. Uh, and there's going to be some Zelda games that are going to be hidden behind donation incentives. So for example, if you donate 20 bucks, we will we'll also rate like the Tingle games or the CDI games or, or whatever, something like that. So we wanted just to to do our part and to use our platform to uh, to help out with the world right now. And, um, you know, the, what better way than to do something where at least I, I know that I'm not an expert on everything going on in the world, but I am an expert on Zelda. So um, I can at least, you know, hopefully use our platform to raise awareness and maybe raise a couple bucks too to help out uh, some of our friends out on the streets. So that is going to be um, on the 20th of june so this saturday so um it's gonna be a fun time where you know all things considered we're gonna be raising awareness and probably talking a few issues here and there but we're also gonna be talking a lot of legend of zelda and uh having having a fun time maybe drinking a beer or two so um, if you guys are free on that night i encourage you to uh, head on over to zelda dungeons twitch stop by come in and chat um we we might even have one dakota lasky in that chat too so uh we'll we'll have to see we're, we're not confirmed on that yet yeah well uh i, I have no it's, these days i really don't know what's going to happen any particular day except every day is the same but then sometimes I'm like i don't know i don't have any plans for ever you know in the future my calendar is completely completely empty for the time <laughs> being but who knows if something will come up but yeah if, uh, if i'm available i'll definitely uh jump in i'm not i'm no zelda expert but it's always fun to talk some games, nonetheless. Well, so let me let me just uh, pitch you this, Dak. I actually um, I put as an incentive if we hit so for every ten dollars donated, it unlocks like three new Zelda games. Mm-hmm. So if we get to, I want to say it's like hundred and fifty bucks or something, that unlocks all the Zelda games. Right. If we get to that milestone, I'm just gonna start ranking Metroid games and then Metroid Prime games, and then, like, Donkey Kong games. And then I'm just going to go until people stop donating money. <laughs> and I have some money to donate myself, so I'm just probably going to be on stream for a while just ranking stuff. Um, so it's going to be a good time. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not against making tier lists. Tier, making a tier list is a past. It's an American pastime. It's a Canadian pastime. It's a North American pastime. We all love doing it. Everyone loves making tier lists. So, yeah, I'm about it. Uh, so, yeah, one last time. Uh, that is... 
June 20th at 8 p.m. Mountain, 9 p.m. Central, and 10 p.m. Eastern. Um, before we get going into Axiom Verge, uh, just on a little bit of a more video game-centric note too, I actually uh, I wanted to give a shout-out to our pals over at Mother Forever. That's a website about uh, Earthbound and Mother. They put out this like incredible, incredible... Uh, they called it a Mother Direct, and it was like a Nintendo Direct-style presentation where like they revealed some some indie games, and they had like a lot of uh, Earthbound news about like new fan translations and and different projects, documentaries. They're launching their own podcast. I watched this thing; it's about an hour long, and it was like so professional and so well done. And uh, it, I I met the webmaster of the site, and he it was a really cool dude. And uh, I just I wanted to to maybe steer anybody listening to this. I don't know if we have a whole lot of Earthbound fans listening to the Omega Metroid podcast, but if you are, man, you got to check this out. It's really, really cool. So just wanted to throw a little uh, plug out there before we get this show rocking and rolling. But uh, all that being said, now I am ready to to launch into what we're here to talk about today. Of course, we don't always have uh, the most <laughs> the most abundant amount of Metroid news, unfortunately. And so uh, for that matter, we don't always have the most abundant amount of Metroid games. So the, the Metroid community, I feel like, has really gravitated to a lot of these other Metroidvania-style games. And uh, this is going to be the first in kind of a reoccurring uh, series of shows that we're going to do, similar to Mapping Metroid, uh, where it's going to be called Inspired by Metroid. And we're going to be uh, going over and talking about some different Metroidvania games that have obviously taken um, the Metroid series as their base inspiration and ran with it and kind of made it their own. And... The first game up in the docket for Inspired by Metroid is uh, one of my personal favorites, actually, and that is Axiom Verge. And uh, Dak, I know that you just uh, that you just finished it. Was this your first time playing Axiom Verge? Uh, no. So when it first came out, I remember I played through like the first port, like the first kind of portion of the game, towards like the first couple bosses, and then you know I'm I'm someone who just like will play a game and then. Even if I like it, I might just end up playing multiplayer games and, like, it ends up on, like, my – on the back burner, you know, in my library of games I got to finish. Um, right. So that was just one of them. And so, yeah, I went back and played it this weekend and finished the whole game. Tried to collect as much stuff as I could as well. And, uh, yeah, here I am having played the game. Yeah, so th- this is a uh, a very, very – like, it wears its inspiration on its sleeve. Like, this is very much a Super Metroid spiritual sequel – um, this is a really impressive game, I feel like, and and this inspired by my Metroid series is going to kind of be like us encouraging people to check out these games, um, also and just explaining a little bit and just telling some stories or whatever that we have about the games. But I think the thing that always sticks out to me that is just like extremely impressive about Axiom Verge in particular is like this was developed by one guy. Um, this was developed by a developer named Tom Hap, who is on Twitter at Axiom Verge. And uh, it was released in March 2015. So uh, I actually found out that uh, that Tom Happ also worked on a on a Game Boy Advance project named Orn, which was, I guess, a small Metroid fan game back in the day. So uh, kind of funny how that goes full circle. But um, Tom Happ, he like he developed this by himself. He created all the art, all the pixel work by himself. He created all the music by himself. And, like, relatively speaking, I, I researched and it said that he started this in March of 2010. Um, five years doesn't seem like a, lot, like a long time to, to 
put out from the start of this game to the finish, like doing all that by herself. So I've I've just always been like very very impressed that he was able to do all of this solo. Yeah, I mean, even like uh, now I didn't know that until I just looked at your notes <laughs> before the show started. So I was like, wow, this is all done by one person. So any shortcoming, like any game, like any shortcomings that are in the game that I have are way like. I have to consider that. Like, they're way down now because I'm like, all right, like, this was made by one dude. Like, I couldn't make this game in, like, 20 years. Um, so, yeah. you know, like, this guy really pulled, like, for one person, and, and again, I don't know, like, the entire development of it at all, but for to for this to be pulled off in any amount of time by one person, uh, I think is really great. So, yeah, that that's awesome, especially as a side project, too, because, you know, you, you're working, like, your full job or whatever it is, and you try to also put time and energy after doing all your normal daily stuff to put on, uh, you know, to try and work on a side project that ends up turning out to be, you know, a really, really damn good game. Yeah, hats off to this guy. He, he really put out, uh, in five years, which I think is more than, a, not more, but like a good amount of time for a solid game. Like, good job to, uh, good, I don't know, I just, I'm very impressed because like, damn, for one person, like, he really put a game that like stands up to yeah. the games that it's inspired by. Yeah, and, and actually, you kind of nailed it on the head. Like, they're, this definitely isn't a perfect game. There are some areas in here where it's just like, eh. But I, I'm kind of the same way. I, I'm very forgiving because I I had knew that it was developed by one guy before I started to play it. So when I was playing it, I was just I was very forgiving of a lot of the different uh like I mean, I knew it was, like, or... an indie game, so I knew it wasn't, like, being developed by, like, a big team or anything. I assumed it was, like, a team of, like, three or four, maybe five people, but... A one person doing all aspects of it because the, the game excels in many different departments. So like the, being able yes. to pull off the gameplay, the music, the uh, you know the how, the tone, and and really the whole package uh, as one person being able to do all those different things that really do uh, or really need to be addressed by different like skill sets as a developer. Um, again, very impressive. Yeah, and yeah, you're totally right. Like even if it's an indie team developing a small game, I'm just I'm a lot more forgiving, and I was like especially more forgiving just because. It was one guy. So that always stuck out to me and impressed me. Um, the first thing that I noticed with the first time that I ever played Axiom Verge is this is like very, very much a spiritual sequel to Super Metroid. It plays pretty much the same. It looks kind of the same. Um, it has kind of the same aesthetic and music and stuff like that. I I loved it like immediately actually when the first like within the first five minutes because it just reminded me so much of Super Metroid, and that's, you know, Super Metroid is one of my favorite games ever. Um, so it was very familiar to me, which I liked, but then as you play it, you also see that there's, like, very, very stark differences um, in this game, but I I did notice, like, right away that sense of familiarity with Super Metroid. Yeah, I immediately got lost. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm playing, yep. <laughs> playing a Super Metroid-like game. Uh, yeah, it definitely has, like, it's it, it, it unabashedly pulls from metroid i mean like the first like your main upgrade like the bio gun whatever you get is literally like you go down into like an area like a shaft and you make a left where the morph ball would be and like even that room is like exactly like the morph ball room more or less and you grab your first i'm like oh wow this is like the i think like any game inspired by metroid has to like have that morph ball room or something to like really let you know that this is a metroid inspired game um <laughs> but yeah it does it does very much it is very much inspired by it. like all the all, so many any enemy types not only look like Metroid enemies but their patterns are almost identical. Um, I wouldn't say that the game like looks like Super Metroid structurally. It does like how the rooms are built it certainly do, 
But, like, this game is so, like, grotesque looking a lot of the time. Uh, Super mm. Metroid feels alien to me, and, and this game feels like I'm walking through someone's stomach and, like, their intestines, which... That's a good way to put it. Which is, like, <laughs> which I think is why... You know why, but, like, maybe this that might put some people off to the game because you kind of look at it and there's these, like, robots that are, like, seeping stuff and are missing half their jaw and everything looks like a big, like, puckered up, like, orifice and is oozing stuff. And, and you know, in Super Metroid, stuff looks alien, but it's not, like, too grotesque. This game is very grotesque looking a lot of the time. And uh, so it, it, it kind of, that stuck out to me immediately when I started playing this game. Not only, you know, back then, but even this week, I'm like, some of this stuff is gross. Um, so it definitely kind of, it goes more into that, like, like a doom kind of feelish in terms of like the, the aesthetic, everything feels like that kind of like demony rather than like alieny. Uh, so that, that stuck out to me too. Yeah. That's a good point. I think like one of the first rooms that you go into, there's like these bloody, like pieces of tall grass, basically is what they're like bubbles or whatever. And you have to basically just shoot your way through them. So that's a very... Uh, that's a very good observation there. Um, I actually, uh, I, I love that the world is kind of a blend of like what you said, like kind of the, kind of the grossness, but it's also got like a little bit of the alien feel of Metroid, but it's also got like this kind of techie futuristic punk kind yeah. of feel of its own. I think it does a very good job of kind of blending that all together to feel like familiar, but different. Um, so I yeah I, I really actually love the world of this game which we'll get to in a second here. I want to talk about what you just mentioned though and the uh, the address disruptor which is the main gun that you use for this game or the axiom disruptor I'm sorry. Um, this gun and the add-on that you can get called the address disruptor I think is like what basically sets apart this from a lot of other Metroidvania kind of not clones but like games of that ilk. Um, so the main weapon that you get in this game is a basic gun called the Axiom Disruptor. And it's just like your standard gun. You can just, you can fire your beams or whatever. But the further in to this game that you get, um, you find an attachment called the Address Disruptor. And this kind of lets you glitch, for lack of a better word, reality around you. It's like a short burst, like, beam that you fire. And I thought, and I still think that this concept is, like, so cool. You can fire your Address Disruptor at enemies and, like, they'll glitch and turn into different types of enemies or like they'll, some of them will actually even like kind of be turned into enemies that fight for you or it's advantageous for you to glitch them. You can glitch um, platforms and stuff to get through. You can glitch, basically you can glitch the world around you just to reveal secrets and like new passages and make enemies easier to fight. I, I actually like really, really loved this concept. I think it could have went a little bit further, but like as a concept, I, I kind of just loved the idea that you can like, glitch and change the world around you yeah i think like the first time you're really using it you're like creating like platforms out of some stuff like hanging off the 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 ceiling and yeah you can change enemy types i thought that was cool and really uh, this is where the game excels one of the ways it excels one of the many ways it excels is all the different weapon types are really cool yes they're just and we were talking about this in our evolution of 2d metroid episode we were like we'd really love more you know, kinds of weapons, be able to mix and match a little bit. And this game really, you know, kind of goes all in on that. You have, end up getting like 24 or 25 different kind of weapon types. You can, like you said, upgrade some of them. You can even, you know, uh, you can upgrade some. You can even upgrade like the power, correcting like power nodes and whatnot. Um, and all the different weapons too are, for the most part, pretty distinct. 
I will say towards the end of the game, you start picking up some weapons that feel very redundant. And because of how many weapons are in the game, you end up, you know, not using some because you might forget about them or there's like a wheel of 20 weapons, um, you yeah. know, and you end up not using some. I think I think if they're, like some of them are a bit redundant, but at the same time, some of the ideas behind the weapons and, and how they're executed is really cool. And I love that about this game. They immediately start giving you some cool weapons like the uh, the multi-disruptor is cool. Like it's a little like a spread right there. The the Kilver, I think, like an electric burst. You have the laser, uh, the ion beam. Uh, you get the remote drone, which is kind of like your uh, counterpart to the morph ball, which is really cool. And you can upgrade that. Uh, there are so many different weapons in this game. Like the Varange, which like shoots these crazy like like sh like firework looking things. Um, yeah, this is this game has like so many cool ideas with the weapons and how you can like go into a, like an area um, rather than just kind of mashing and using your standard weapon or whatever. Uh, yeah, I love I love the the address disruptor and you can even upgrade that a bit. You could upgrade a couple of weapons. Uh, they really, they really, I, I like that they did this, like that there's so many weapons to choose from and a bunch to collect and, and doesn't kind of just become like, okay, you grabbed like one or two or three weapons or a couple beams here and there. Like, they're like, nah, you're collecting 20 of these and you're going to have a lot of yep. cool different ways <laughs> to kill stuff. Yeah. You, you almost took the words right out of my mouth. I actually like love, um, how many different weapons there are in this game. Cause like you, you have like a bunch of different options about how you want to like basically fight enemies and i actually think that that's something that metroid could could pick up mm -hmm. on like we were definitely talking about this in our 2d episode where we were like what can the next 2d metroid do um i i actually think that you're right that there there's almost too many beams or too many weapons yeah. in this game um i i think that maybe maybe if they could have stacked on top of each other or you could combine them that might have been a little bit better so like if you like if you get your your kilver which is kind of basically that works like a shotgun it's like a very close range but if you could combine that maybe with um, the flamethrower or something where that could go through walls or like you you could have your, your like whatever, you could just kind of mix and match to get a little bit more use out of the beams. Because like I was collecting all of the different beams, but at the at the end of the game, like, yeah, I was collecting them just to collect them. But, um, you know, that being said, like there are like I, I'd say for the most part, like every beam is like distinct in its in its own way you have ones that like reflect off the walls you have like detonation bombs you have you have beams that fire and like kind of splinter into different little bullets and stuff mm -hmm. like that like it actually like it's quite impressive how like how many different beams there are but like they each kind of have their own identity i i feel like you know i i'd say like typically uh, in each of my playthroughs of this game i get to about the halfway point and i kind of have my one or two beams and i'm just kind of like i just stick with those so um, it, it would have been cool if you could maybe augment the beams by mixing and matching them, but it's just like, it's really great to have so many different, uh, weapon types and like, it, it just really adds to all the stuff that you can find in the world as well. Yeah. I will say that, uh, it might've been, uh, it, it definitely might've been too much, especially when you, when you open the wheel. Cause there's like so many beams yeah, exactly. that you have, or like if they had like a favorites section or something for beams, I don't know. But, no, I um, agree. You know, I'd, yeah. I'd rather have too many than not enough. Yeah, no, for sure. I'd rather have a few that I'm not using at all. But yeah. at other times, it was annoying where, like, I think the one that stuck out to me was, like, the uh, the lightning gun. You get that towards, like, like the, towards the end of the game. And at that point, I was like, do I even need this? Like, I have other weapons that are way stronger. I can dash now. Like, and this gun is, like, a weak, like, Overwatch Winston electric, like, gun. You know, like, it's, you know, I was like, why is this even in the game? Or like the data bomb, 
which was like it that's like the blue one that's kind of like shoots a straight bomb that explodes in impact which is cool but like you can get the same stuff done with like 10 other weapons you already have so yeah i would have liked it if you could have had like a little bit more organization or combining some or just trimming it a little bit um and doing that but at the same time i liked how you could upgrade some of the weapons specifically you know you get your drone you get bombs you get uh some other you get the, the coats are cool um so it's not just beams as well so it doesn't feel like okay like i'm picking up some like meaningless uh collect you know collection like meaningless items for my collection essentially um mm -hmm. but yeah i do love that they you know they went like all right we'll have a lot of beams rather than too little that's fine if there are a couple that are redundant maybe it changes your your game your play style a little bit um yeah i, I this is definitely one of the strong points of the game for me um and yeah and let's talk about those power-ups really quick too because there is a lot of um like unique power-ups in this game mm -hmm. um the you mentioned dashing so what you can get is a different lab coat for your main character mm -hmm. and this it, it kind of works almost like getting different suits do in Super Metroid, where, like, you can um, you can then dash uh, right next to something. You can, like, physically, like, kind of ghost, tra like, transition through a wall, and that's kind of cool. It's like you're glitching reality there. But then you get your, your upgraded lab coat, and you can dash in the air, and it really, like, really changes the way that you play the game. You can really move around, and, and it feels like the game at that point is moving, like, really really fast that one stuck up to me or stuck out to me yeah one of the things that i actually really liked and it's not even very useful i just think that it looks like super cool is um you can go you can go in the world and you find these um these like injections and you you end up developing like a scorpion tail and these little like scorpion hooks that come out of your back and yeah. when your health is at maximum it just it fires like these auxiliary little bullets they're not really, I would say, like, that critical or that helpful to the game. But, like, I thought that they looked so cool that I was, like, I got to find all of these. Um, I loved yeah, them. Yeah, the uh, Bioflux uh, accelerators, I think they were called. Yeah, yes. those are cool. Like, yes. th that kind of stuff, the fact that you could pick up, you know, power nodes that increase the damage of your weapon, size nodes to increase, like, the, the yes. range and size of them, health nodes. Like, it wasn't just, okay, you pick up ammo and health. Like, you can make, not only can you get new weapons, but you can increase the power of those weapons. And not only can you just, like, upgrade them, you can increase how strong they are. Uh, I like that as well. And and you can even, increase like, upgrade your drone a bunch of times. You can get, like, a teleport to your drone. Uh, yeah, I, I think you get a grapple too, and the address bomb, which is sick, like a huge power bomb that just like does the address beam. Yeah, basically your yeah. your power bomb. Yeah, it's like a, a big cool. glitch bomb. Yeah, they're, they're not just the again, not just the beams, but yeah, like the uh, the 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 trench coats are essentially Samus's suits, right? Those, I mm -hmm. love that they're a bunch of even though the suits themselves, like, eh, who cares about like a trench coat? And you can't really like really appreciate it. Like Samus's suits are cooler for sure. Like a, a different color trench coat is whatever, um, but. I like that there are not just beam upgrades and stuff you can get, but you can literally upgrade your weapons and like in terms of stats, which Metroid doesn't do. You know, you can't like augment the stats of your weapons, which is I love that you can right. do that in this game. And yeah, all the different other you know the the max health, the uh, the injections, all that stuff. Really loved all those different additions there and make it stand out a little more from Metroid. Uh, and it's pretty cool too how like you kind of mentioned um, like you could you can almost look at each power up and like it's kind of the the metroid equivalent you know what i mean like you have your your drone which is like your morph ball equivalent mm -hmm. that you can send into tight spaces and he can your drone's actually pretty handy like so I, there was lots of times where i would send my drone into like a really tough room and just to see if when i was almost dead just to see if he could take out any enemies beforehand yeah. 
Um, rest in peace to that little guy. But I, I love that that's kind of the equivalent of the Morph Ball. There's like the grappling hook, like you said. Um, if you turn on if you turn on cheats, there's kind of a uh, an equivalent to the power up in Castlevania where you can get where you could just like jump sky high, which is kind of cool too. So like, there's lots of like really really smart power ups. And actually, one thing that we haven't talked about that I, I think it's basically unique to this game. Um, you get the little uh, screw attack. Ironically, it's like a big screw, and you can you basically just point it whichever direction and it can kind of chop through blocks in the ground and stuff like that. So that's, that one was kind of cool too. It almost works. Oh, what the, uh, the actually. laser drill. Yeah. Like it almost works to basically have like a morph ball bomb would cause it takes out the same caliber of, of stone. I think. Yeah. I, it seemed like it was like a missile equivalent to me kind of where like, okay, I have to destroy stuff that like my beams won't. So okay, I yeah, just I use missiles. That. Um, I like the laser. At first, I was kind of like hesitant on the laser drill because I was like, "Oh, this thing is gonna make me drill through rock the whole game." But then it doesn't really become more about that. And I like like sections where you can run and shoot diagonally and just destroy a bunch of stuff on the ceiling with the laser drill, and how you can use it as like the short, uh, like close quarters combat like weapon. A sword almost. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I like the laser drill. I I have like a problem where I start like breaking bricks with the laser drill and then i have to break every single brick yeah. in that like particular <laughs> yep. hallway or something like that um so yeah a lot of really cool um power-ups and actually one thing that i like in this game as well is in addition to there i mean there is a ton of power-ups for you to collect there's all of these different augmentations there's all these different beams mm -hmm. there's all these different items but like one thing that i actually really like that this game lets you do too is it lets you collect like basically little bits of lore like little little sheets that kind of fill you in on the story. Yeah, the journal um, entries. It, it, yeah, like journal entries, stuff like that. It actually kind of um, it almost reminded me of Metroid Prime in a weird way, where like you you have to scan little little different parts of the world. Like it's not exactly the same thing, but I like that you could find little bits of the story if you went out and looked for them. Um, this is actually one of my one of my critiques, and we'll get to this in a little bit. Like I, I think that the story is a little bit of like a mess but uh i i do appreciate that you can find the you know the the broader picture in these little journal entries and stuff like that in, hidden in the world i think that it kind of it's it's refreshing to to find something that's not just like a standard power-up yeah know? um these are hit or miss for me i think the reason why they work in metroid prime is number one you also have imagery right so like you get to see like what the like it feels a little like scientific you get like a cool image of what you're looking at um and the and it's like it's not like straight up exposition. Like it's like a, a scan where it gives you like biological information or something like that. Or like in Metroid Prime, you have Chozo lore, which is like a lot of religious talk or like them writing down their own stuff. But in this game, a lot of the time, though some journals, I think like one journal has like a conversation, but like a lot of the time I feel like, all right, this is the game's opportunity to explain something to me because it hasn't, yeah. you know, whereas the Metroid Prime scans and lore feel supplementary. Like I don't need that stuff, but it, it helps me. Like I, I understand what's happening already, but this gives me better understanding. Whereas in Axiom Verge, I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Uh, and Oh, look, there's a journal page in the ground. I wonder if I'm going to get some exposition and, and get a little help here. Um, and even then sometimes I like read it. I'm like, okay, that didn't really like, okay, I guess this is important in some context to what's happening, but it, it, I still kind of feel lost. And I feel that way a lot about the story. We can, we can go into that, yeah. but yeah, that the journal entries, I think it was cool. I like that they added that. Um, but I think the implementation just works better for Metroid prime. If, in Metroid prime, obviously it's different because it's a different way of playing the game, but it feels like more 
baked into the world you know it's like it feels like it's part of the world around it whereas the journal entries i don't i don't i don't, I don't personally like that they feel like an item you know they feel like any other item see i i don't mind that they feel like an item but i definitely agree with you where it's just like like what did this even say like what yeah, does this exactly. mean and, and a lot of them like are literally in another language <laughs> yeah uh, which we'll which we'll touch on in like, a little okay. bit here but I, I really liked the concept uh, execution. I was just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like it maybe it could have been a little bit better, but um, the, the concept of finding like the little tidbits of lore, mm-hmm. uh, I really liked. It did remind me kind of like a funny Chozo lore or pirate data or something like that. So I I hope that that returns, but maybe a little bit more straightforward, like you said, because there there are lots of times where I'm with you. I was just like. What's happening? Like, That's like a lot of the game something. is like, what is happening? Yeah. Which I guess is, is the yeah. point, you know, like you're trying to uncover what's happening. But even when stuff is explained to you, you're like, uh, okay, like what do these words mean? And what, who is this? And like so much stuff. If we're going to formally go into the story now, I feel like I'll let you just. You know what? Let's just, yeah, let's just go into the yeah. story. All right. Let's just go into the story right now. Um, So the story is, I, you know, there's. There's a very simple baseline story, which actually I think is pretty cool, where, like, you are Trace, and you're in this alien world, and you don't know what's going on, and you learn that you have to fight this guy named Athetos. Oh, spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. If you, if you don't want to hear about the story, yeah. fast forward uh, three minutes. But as you play, you discover that you are Athetos. Kind of? he is you in the future, and you, you are basically a clone. And this game takes place, like hundreds of years in the future maybe even thousands of years in the future wait and does it? In another world called yeah I, I think so yeah i i understand that it takes place in another alien world like but i didn't think that it took place in a different time i thought it was you know like i didn't okay keep going i'm i'm pretty sure uh, i must have missed that part i under because I I, 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 I I won't hang my hat on that i'll tell you that no I, all right yeah i think yeah keep going See, I'm already, I'm already um, like, I just played this game. Yeah. Like, wait, is that how it happened? All right, but yeah, keep going. Well, to to your point, like, I had to go and and look up on like the Axiom Verge wiki after just to just to kind of refine what I was about to say. So, like, I think it takes place in the future, but I also I'm not ready to say definitively that that is the case. But um, anyway, so you you play as Trace, and uh, there's an there's an alien race known as the uh, Resulki. And the Rizalki are guarders of, uh, or the guards of this world called Sudra, which is like the world that's in between our world, reality, and a world called the Breach. And this world in Sudra is like the the gate between there and this Athetos guy has uh, basically tried to eliminate that gate so that the real world and the Breach can can collide. And uh, you, you end up meeting a, a Rizalki called Else Nova, and she's kind of directing you to kill Athetos, and you find out that you are Athetos, and Trace is a clone of Athetos, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on. And eventually, at the end of the game, you you do defeat Athetos, but you go, and you, they transport you back to the real world, but then at the end of the game, Athetos is in the real... It's, it's very confusing. So from my, understanding, and... from my understanding is that, like, okay, the lab explosion happens, right? He's in this world. Yes. But then, like, in the midway of the story, they reveal that the explosion... It wasn't just the explosion. He, the explosion happened, he recovered, and then he created this, I don't know, dimension or access to this dimension somehow that resulted in him ending up in Sundra. And that was, like, a year of his life that he just had amnesia for which was confusing because i was like oh okay so i guess like 
Alright, Amnesia is just going to explain why we didn't know this information. And I thought he was dreaming at first, but he's not. And then we learn more about the Russians or Rosalskis, whatever they are, the robots. And they have these big bodies that they can't use anymore for some reason. And then it's kind of teased that, like, the robots might be the bad guys, kind of. Like, they yes. kind of, like... Because it's, it's obvious, like, the the implication is that you're not really supposed to necessarily trust them like how do you know that they're telling you the truth or not right even though the protagonist who i didn't like at first i, I was like this dude looks like a penny arcade comic book character like you remember those like penny arcade web cartoons from like 10 years ago he looks like one of the main <laughs> guys from that and i hated how in the beginning of the game he's like trying to like talk to these absolutely gruesome nightmarish bosses i'm like dude you should be like crapping your pants right now and he's like oh like hello like uh, uh, don't hurt me bro like i'm just a regular guy eventually later in the story he kind of sacks up and becomes a little badass like that's okay cool but i didn't really like the main character the setup is okay and it is and then yeah eventually you find out that like you're the clone of the guy and there's yes. this situation of like oh which side are you on do you you know the guy tries to convince you that and this is like right at the end like the, the boss battle so you know like, oh, I'm actually not a bad guy. But then, nope, he is, and you kill him. Um, I think that was my biggest issue with the story, is that, it, like, it teases this potential, like, oh, maybe the robots are not good. Maybe you're going to end up having to fight off, a fight against Else Nova. But then, like, ah, the robot shows up. Oh, hey, sorry for attacking you. Uh, okay, go fight him. And then you go and fight him, and everything that, as you would expect, happens kind of happens. Like, you do end up fighting the boss. He gets killed, and then things, like, kind of get reset. I was... It, my biggest issue with the story is that it feels like it ended halfway through. Like, I felt like a lot more stuff was going to happen. Like, when he's like, okay, I'm not going to kill this guy. I'm going to go find him. And then, like, no plot happens at all for, like, the remainder of the game until you get to the end where you're like, okay, I'm I'm there. And the robots and is like, okay, I'm sorry for, for hurting you. Um, and the robot sister is like, yeah, she really hates this guy. Like, hates him so much. That's why she attacked you. And you're like, oh, okay, like, you're going to meet this guy, and you're going to learn what's really happening, and then you're going to fight these robots, and you're going to see, like, the like the truth and all that. But no, the game just, like, ends. Like, nope, actually, the, the bad guy was the bad guy, the good guys were the good guys, and, oh, look at that, you get sent to the present time as if nothing had happened, and it's over. Um, yeah, the pacing of the story is weird. It's like, you'll go through the game for, like, 20 minutes or so, and, like, nothing is happening, or even longer, like, you have no idea what's happening, uh, maybe you'll have a conversation with Elsinova, and then you get to an area and just big exposition dump, huge out of nowhere, and it's all words I don't understand, and 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 connections to things that are not real life things, so I can't understand the logic of what's happening. At least in Metroid, like when there's a mystery, it's still going by logical and like real world stuff, right? Right? Like, okay, there's a mystery with the with this lab. Okay, there's experimentation happening. I can understand a big monster happening because there's a big you know experiment with these Metroids and SAX and, and the experiment sites and all that. But in this game. There's really no explanation for anything, so I don't know, understand why there are these big fleshy monsters attacking me, or who's who, or what's what, or I didn't even know what the name of the planet was the whole time, or what the areas were, um, and yeah, it was, it was, it's, it's, it works, the mystery stuff doesn't work as well when the elements of the mystery are also confusing, and not in the real world or in any kind of logical order, um, but, and I feel like I'm rambling, Yeah. <laughs> No, the story good. is a little bit weird. It, it it is weird. It's hard to make sense. Like I I felt like I was rambling when I was trying to explain it. Um, 
I, I feel like this is where the the little bits of lore that you find really like you kind of notice that they they fail um, because they I think that they could have augmented and made it make a lot more sense if they were a little bit more straightforward and like like I don't need to have like a dumbed down story to enjoy it but like this there's just a little bit too much going on here I think if you focused on Trace is in this alien world there's been an explosion. He goes in and uh, he knows he has to kill Athetos. He finds out that he is Athetos. And now it's like, do I trust Elsnova or do I trust Athetos? And like, that's kind of the core of the game. Then it would have been a lot better. And I mean, like, that is kind of the core of the story. But it's just like, there's a lot of other stuff that's spinning around it as well. And it's hard to keep track. It just it kind of like teases you with it because it never goes like, it, it, it gives you that suspicion of like, oh, who's really the, on the right side of things, but it never explores it. You know, that's why I felt like the game ended like the boss battle at the end of the game feels like the halfway point of the story to me. Like, that's when I thought I was going to meet this guy and I'm like, wow, this guy is actually the good guy. Like, mm-hmm. this guy's actually the good guy. Right. And then like the, the rest of the game should be me thinking that this guy, even if he ends up being the bad guy in the end, I shouldn't learn that two seconds after being uh brought into contention of whether or not he's good you know like the, the answer shouldn't come two seconds later it should come much longer after like maybe i'm like like the character because i'm a clone of him you know i start like agreeing and like working with him a little bit and the robots you know the else nova robot becomes more corrupt and like really obsessed with killing this guy and you know even separate like i was and, and expecting she is some, really obsessed with killing him for sure yeah yeah but she just like says that yeah. you know like it's like okay you get the idea because um she like i don't know like kills him and then like resets his body or whatever and he's like wow that was really painful blah blah and ophelia is like yeah she really hates him but like other than that like it's really just i really hate him <laughs> you know and it's all exposition I, I and feel i was like, really um, hoping i feel yeah. like there's a lot of balls know, in the air but, like some of the balls don't need to be there you know what i mean um i i will say this i do like on the very basic core level i like the story and i do think that it sets up axiom verge 2 really well because like at the end of the game Elsnova does basically murder Athetos after promising not to, transports Trace back into the real world, and then you you see Trace basically, like, kind of heading down the path of becoming Athetos and uh, going back into right. the breach. So, like, I actually, I like that. Like, I like that ending bit, and I think that that could play into the sequel if, like, because we know, and we'll get into the sequel in a bit here, but we know that you don't play as Trace in the sequel. So maybe you're fighting against him. Oh, do we? Yeah. I don't even. I don't. Even, I didn't. I. I was not part of that. We. I did not oh, know that. Well, I don't well, even I... know any details about <laughs> Axiom Verge too. Ah, uh, yes. So I didn't know that. So no trace in um, the sequel. You're playing as someone new, but um, maybe you can end up fighting Trace. I, I think that that would be kind of cool. But uh, like the story is a little bit of a mixed bag, and especially all like the different little bits of lore that you get. I, I just find like they don't really. Help. It's really the pacing for me because, like, when you like nothing really, ha- it's it's mostly just explanation, like what is going on, what's happening here, until you get to like that midpoint part where you run into the clone, and then all the like gameplay almost stops. Like at the, when you get to that point, like no bosses show up for like a big portion of the game, and you're just getting explained stuff. And like I like that area, like that whole area where you're hallucinating, and like you end up against that boss that's like not even really a boss fight that literally doesn't even fight against yeah. you at all. Um, st- I understood like gameplay wise, I was kind of disappointed, but like the story made up for it. Cause like, Oh, this is really good. Um, and like, it was really going somewhere. And then once you get to the point where he decides he's not going to kill a Thedos or whatever, he's going to talk to him. Um, and you've already met Ophelia and all that stuff. 
the plot just stops until you get to that end, end of the game, which I was disappointed with, um, you, you know, and, and it comes to that pacing issue. I was like, wow, I thought there was a lot more story that was going to happen. It seemed like they set up a lot more. I thought there was going to be a fight directly with the these big robots. I thought there would be a fight between maybe Els Nova and her sister or whatever. Um, you know, the real revelation of the bad guy really being a bad guy and not being good. Uh, I feel like there was so much it was built like there was so much build up that it just like ends really for me very abruptly um story-wise yeah, i was a little I disappointed that. about that i could see that I, I think that we will fight els nova i think in the sequel but uh, you know what let's um let's get on to bosses here actually while we're while we're talking about them and just spend a second um on the bosses i you know i had originally written down that i didn't love the bosses of axiom verge but you know i think i actually take that back i i do like the bosses of this game i think that they're all pretty cool for mm -hmm. the most part i definitely think they're the weakest part of the game one of the weakest. I, I wouldn't say that they're the game's strength, but I think that they, I think that they're they're cool enough. Like there's a lot of, um, like there's a lot of decent boss fights. Like the, uh, uh, I want to say it's the aborted clone. I want to say he's he's basically like your Kraid stand-in. He has like you. He's on one side of the screen. He's shooting lasers at you, and he's what the the huge dune worm looking yeah, one. Yeah, maybe that's not a border clone. Maybe that's someone else. Or uh, see, I don't even remember the names of the bosses. I'm trying to remember the bosses. I remember are the first one I went up against was the the butthole looking one <laughs> yeah, uh, that like flies around with like a bee Zeter. stinger. Um, or no, uh, Uku. I don't even know how you could get the names. I don't know how you were able able to know. Um, that, that boss fight was pretty, that one was pretty cool, and that was the first boss that I fought in the game. So I fought that one, it felt kind of bullet helly. I was like, okay, inter interesting. Um, this is though in the, right at the beginning of the game, and where the characters, like, try to talk to the thing, and I'm like, dude, just shut up, and like, be, be afraid or fight it. Like, stop trying to, like, converse with the guy. Um, and then the second boss I fought was, it had, like, a big sucker-looking face with, like, these four black holes in its head, and had, like, a big gun. Um, that one was kind of cool. And I was like, all right, this one's not bad. And then, yeah, you had the third one, like the really big one where like you're, yeah, I guess it was created. It's like a huge room and like it zooms out and you're on these big platforms mm -hmm. and it looks I like this big really dune cool. worm. That one was probably my favorite boss fight because, and this is something I think the game does really well at times. It makes you feel small in those areas like that, that area where you're fighting that boss and makes you like it zooms out, makes you feel really small. Um, the area with the big head transporter that floats and that zooms out. That was cool. And then towards the end where you see like the big robot spine in the background as you're climbing up that last area. Like those parts of the game where it kind of... Metro doesn't really do that. It doesn't really... Even though some of the bosses might be big, it doesn't really like zoom out. It doesn't really give you that sense of scale, um, which I love about this game. But then after that boss, it really kind of goes downhill for me. Like there's another boss that like kind of does... Like there's the... The scorpion kind of boss that doesn't really fight you. It kind of just sits on the other side of the, so of the there's map. A, there's a boss uh, called Uku, who I, I think is what you're talking about. It's like a flying, almost like square. It's got a bunch of different talons and sends out like a, like a little attack drones at you and stuff like that. I, I quite like that boss, actually. But the, I liked it for the fact that it goes back to the strength of Axiom Verge's weapons. Where, like, I was just getting my ass kicked by it in, like, five different tries in a row. I'm trying to remember I switched. Oh. Uh, he's like the bug-looking guy. Um, anyway, so I switched my beam and like just. Oh, you mean the big hornet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the big bee. Yeah, yeah the, the one that doesn't like it just looks like a bug. Pretty yeah, much. that one's pretty cool. So like um, the the strength yeah. of it is like I I was getting demolished and I switched my beam and like just like killed him, murdered the guy. So I was just like 
I was kind of like impressed again why where like there's so many different beams and if you have the right like it, like if you have the right weapon and you use it like the game can be mm-hmm. like easy or these bosses can be easy it's just like you got to make sure that you actually have it because there's very few of these beams that are required to like to progress in the story i think there's actually only probably like yeah. two or three that are that you actually need you really really need yeah, yeah. so i i, I kind of like that um I, I would agree that i don't think the bosses were like the highlight although i do love how like athetos looks like uh the dude from mad max and there's a couple bosses in here that look like bane from the dark knight did you notice that oh uh, when i saw him he reminded me of porky I was like, oh, dude, just, like, in a tube or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, he did kind of have that that bad Max bad guy, I forget his name, look to him. Everything everything, I, everything reminded me of, like, Metal Slug in a way. Yeah, okay. Like, these really big, like, fleshy, organic-y, robot-y at the same time looking things. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, that, the Hornet boss does kind of pick things up towards the end of the game, but then, like... A couple bosses I know, like story-wise, like one of them literally doesn't even like attack you. Um, and then you have the robot, the like the defense robot or whatever that like shoots you from the ceiling at the end, towards the end. I think that's like the last boss you fight yeah. before you you fight Athetos. Um, that fight was was cool. Kind of reminded me of the the spore, um, spawn spore or whatever. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. The the bosses more or less were kind of hit or miss for me because I thought after like the third boss, like when we got to the crate boss or whatever, I was like, oh wow, like the bosses are gonna get better and better from here, and they didn't. They kind of like went back to like bosses that were pretty similar in pattern to other enemies or other bosses. Nothing really wowing me. Like the yeah. bosses didn't get bigger and bigger. They didn't get harder and hard. You know, they kind of just were other enemies. You know, so I was I was hoping that they would get harder and bigger and stronger and more crazier looking and all that stuff. And they actually, they didn't, they kind of, kind of stayed in the same area as the bosses as the beginning of the game. And that was a little bit, a little disappointing in, in that regard. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it, I think it peaked at the, uh, the Kraid fight. Um, I wish we could remember this poor guy's name, but you know, actually almost everything in Axiom Verge names. is named very, very strangely. So it's hard to, how do you even learn the names? Like I didn't even, I don't even remember learning any of the bosses I, names. I, like, at first like, I thought I the bosses and, were and and picture associate. Okay the names because like like in the world too the names are are very very strange um they don't exactly roll off the tongue i do want to say actually i was talking about uh mad max and, and bane um i think that the uh Rizalki and else nova in particular look like really really cool i love the way that they look and for mm-hmm. anybody uh, that doesn't know um else nova is probably what you're picturing when you think of axiom verge that's like she's on the box yeah. art she's like that head with all the mechanical tendrils behind her I think that that looks mm-hmm. like so cool. Yeah, I agree. I love the the Rosalski. Rosalski. What are they called? Rosalski. Okay, yeah. Um, the Rosalski are cool. I love their design. I love the like they feel like these big and cryptic, you know, ancient almost looking like they just feel so massive. They have this like, I don't know, they like ghost in the shell kind of feel to them. Yes. Like they're just like mixing that kind of like man and machine kind of feel um they're you know kind of i wish that again i wish they did more with that i wish they really like i wanted to like there's that one i forget the robot's name um and they were like yeah this robot is an ally of ours but it's really dangerous i was like oh cool we're gonna fight this one later and then 
that robot never shows up again. <laughs> never is mentioned or you see it never again. I was like, okay, cool. Um, towards the end of the game where they show their big bodies. And I'm like, oh, sick. We're going to fight one of these robots on their huge ancient body. Um, and then literally a second later, Ophelia is like, ah, no, nah, we don't need these. The robot, the, the, the repair drones, they'll be fine. Don't worry about it. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I love their design. I love how they... they they uh, are incorporated into the game. And I, and it does remind me a little bit of, like, Infusion, where you got to talk to Adam at the nav room, but you don't have to stop at a nav room. You just have the conversation at any time, which was nice. Um, a little tongue-in-cheek there, which the game is a lot at times. I think that's another thing that kind of, uh, just off-topic, that the game is very obviously aware that it's, like, an indie retro-y, you know, intentionally retro game. Like, it has all the, like, the makings of, like, a game that is very well aware of the fact that it is, like, a retro indie game. Um, so, I like that at times, like, with the Elsa Nova's dialogue. At other times, I think one of the, uh, it kind of, anno not annoyed me, but it was weird. Because the, the boss fights are so, like, upbeat, but not upbeat in, like, like, uh, a good example of a big upbeat theme in Metro is, like, the Ceres theme from Metroid Fusion. It's, like, really, like really upbeat but it's like it's dangerous feeling and like lethal and you're like wow you're in a really intense fight but like the boss themes in this game I'm, i go from like a really serious situation in the game and even like the the world area and the the main areas and like the overworld and, and each different area in the game each area's theme is so well done the music is so well done this game but then i get to a boss fight and i feel like i'm listening to like this cheesy ufo alien music i'm like is this should like this should be like I don't know, the tone all of a sudden becomes really, like, cheesy and funny, almost, and silly with the music when I fight the bosses. I don't know, maybe that was just me, but I was like, th I feel like this should be, like, taken a little more seriously at times. And I almost feel like, at times, the game feels like it doesn't take itself seriously enough, despite the circumstances, because it knows it's, like, doing a ton-in-cheek retro indie game kind of thing. Um, you know, I I think that that's, that's kind of I think that that's valid in like the story. You can you can notice it especially with Trace's mannerisms when talking to Elsnova. He's very lackadaisical. Uh, I I might push back against the music. I think that the music was was fine for the boss battles. Um, I always thought that it was like, it really it was weird. I, don't know. I, I I thought that it was like it was always good. Like it's very upbeat and um, I never, I was never distracted by it. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned it actually though, because that was where I was. It, it distracted me. Yeah. It? it very much distracted okay. me because Metroid, Metroid for me, boss battles hit every time. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to suggest that that was the best track in the game, but. Eh. It just the, like the whole, like it, it, it felt like it went very much against the tone and the aesthetic of the game. Like the game is very like, Okay. Like I keep going, it's like grotesque, right? And it's every, but then at the same time, you have the main character who's going, uh, "Hey, man, like I'm just a normal guy. Don't hurt me." And you have this boss music that's like sounds like the like the generic, like one of the generic tracks you get with like FL Studio, and it's and you just like dropped in a bunch of like generic UFO sounds, you know? The game, it, it whereas the rest of the game sounds like it doesn't sound like that. It doesn't have that like generic UFO y cheesy space sound it, it sometimes it has this like hard like night like 80s like drum and beat kind of feel to it other times it really works in like these airier kind of sounds and i'm like wow like the main themes of this game are so well done why is the boss theme I, not know, fit I'm gonna, with I'm it gonna at all for our boy trace here and just say that uh and just say that if you were in an alien world and like they they really try and build up the uh the sense of like not innocence, but like he doesn't want to hurt anyone. And he doesn't want to kill anything, and and I think that's why he's talking to the boss. And I think that that's supposed to play off when he gets to Athos and like has the showdown with him. Like he doesn't want to kill him, and you know, 
But like, I, I think that why? That plays like, off. I don't know. Like, it, it, but like, a, like it's it's doing it for the tongue-in-cheek I'm a retro indie game sake, not because it makes sense. Like the guy's a scientist and like working in some weird lab. Like, why why would I assume this guy is some meek like? Oh, I could never hurt a fly guy. Uh, Even I mean, if that's just that is the case, that that's his character. You know, I I respect I respect what you're saying, and I I actually don't. I don't. I don't even disagree with you necessarily, but I. I kind of see what they were doing with Trace here, and I. I don't mind the music in the boss battles. Let us know if. Uh, if this also like if you notice this as and well. And his name is Trace. Like you know what? Not I, a good I think name. that when I was playing this, I was like, man, Trace would be so good in Smash. I'm just saying, no, he would oh be God. so good. Stop. Okay, okay, let's move on. Let's Stop. move on. Um, we, we talked about <laughs> boss music. Let's talk about just music in general because I think that like the music in this game is outstanding. Like you, not a fan. Oh, you're not a fan of the boss music, and that's fine. It's it's not just that one thing. Yeah, it's it's not one of the that's better it. tracks. That's like in the, the game. one. It's just the one that I, everything else. I will say I'm not a huge fan of the sound effects because again, you know, if we're talking about audio in general, I think the soundtrack aside from that theme is very good like it is it has that like it's 80s 90s alien, like, but like like 16 bitty yeah. but it, it's yeah and but it also like brings in elements of like newer more contemporary music like the bass hits are a lot like deeper um you get a little more experimental towards like like the grassy area and the snow area where it's not just like that same kind of beating you know, electronic-y theme. I, it has I a think the standout for I love me it. is um, in the area of Kerr, which is the, the vertical area with all the laser monsters or whatever. And you hear, you hear kind of a voice and it almost sounds like, um, uh, like, like almost Middle Eastern-y and it sounds so good. Yeah, no, I, I exactly, you know, talk about it. I, at first I was like, wait, is that like, I definitely stopped because I was like, wait, is that like an enemy? Yeah, like something that's about I, I think to that happen. That's actually probably the best theme in the game. I'm gonna play that at the end of this uh, episode, actually on our outro. Um, so I, I think that that's really good. I think like just the the techno-y soundtrack and like you kind of hear it pulsing a little bit, like it's very bassy. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it's yeah, everything really feels good. alive. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, I like the the purple area that has the piano a little yeah. bit in it. Love that. So good. Um, the wavy hallucination area is cool. Um. With that, yeah, the music is like the music is ten on ten. Um, I think which is the like game. again, it's it just strikes me as incredible that this was Tom Hap. Like uh, Tom Hap made this music single handedly. Um, you know, it's it's very it's very very good, and it's very yeah, he um, it. it's very atmospheric, which I feel like is so important to like that's why Metroid Prime, that's why Super Metroid works, right? Is because like the music is so atmospheric, and I feel like Axiom Verge like nails that, and it really understands that like music is a critical part of creating that atmosphere yeah and it's not just atmospheric but the constant like there's a beat in the background too like it always it's always like ushering you forward which metroid always does too like even like metroid is has that darker like atmospheric or you know kind of feel but even in metroid prime you have those like like uh, the fendrana depths theme you know where it just gets into like this like groovy beat because you know you're you're going deep you got to keep pushing forward and then like the game really encourages that with the music and Axiom Verge like hits that like right the nail around the head with that. I love it. Uh, I think the music in this game. I was at first the music got a little repetitive in like the first area too. I think that was just because I got lost and I was in the area for a little while. Um, and I was like, okay, like I got it. But then when we, you progress through the game and they really it starts to branch out in different areas, uh, it, it's it's really well done. I love even in like the the music at the the last area, like the all white like world or whatever it is. Um, 
this is it gets that area's music is a little more a beat like the boss theme but it doesn't feel like cheesy and i was like yes this is what the boss theme should be um and that's going and then but then you have the robot a uh, security robot that uses the regular boss theme I'm like oh well but yeah the music really well done um what do you think about the sound effects like all the different like the enemy effects you like know, the weapons you, you were kind of like, saying you that you didn't that? like them but i i loved them and maybe it's just because like i'm a sucker for old like 16 bitty kind of sound effects and like I, I like to me i don't care if they sound cheesy or whatever i just love kind of that presentation uh i i loved them i loved them i you know i will say that Again, it's one of the things about the game where it's like tongue. It's, it knows it's a retro indie game, so like all the sound effects like have that like. It sounds like someone's blasting it through a Game Boy speaker. It's which it's just like this charming got, like like when you fire your gun. It's it's like you're you're literally it's 1992. You got your Super Nintendo in front of you, and it's like poop poop. Like see, I love I feel, it. I feel that. See, I feel that at the same time. I was I wasn't alive in 1992, so it doesn't hit the same way for me. <laughs> Um, you know, yes, I do. It has character. It has charm to it. But at the same time, there are some effects that are grating on the ear, like just the, the quality and the shrillness, like, uh, in particular, if you remember like the scrawny white dudes that jump at you, that enemy, I don't know yeah, what those are the, called, the but mutated lab monsters or whatever. Yeah. Whatever the, the scrawny white dudes, like screeching at you and jumping. Like I ran out of every room they're in cause I just couldn't handle it. It's like, I love the Ridley X screech and they also use it for zero mission though i love that sound effect because it's it's hilariously bad and it's really loud but it's only for that fight now if i had to hear that sound effect all through metroid fusion i would hate it and have and i would have no positive thoughts about it whatsoever but i don't because it's isolated to that one area and it makes sense and it's and it's funny in a way but it's also like memorable in this game there are so many different annoying sounds for me or really loud and grating sounds that happen often and i'm like oh geez i get it it's a retro indie game jesus like let you me know just, i like, i can see that but uh like again you know? even like ridley x i i just loved it because it sounded it just sounded charming it sounded like a throwback to me so i i didn't have a problem with it at all i want that's the thing too is it's sorry to cut you off but that's again another thing for me where it didn't feel right with the tone of the game like should this sound charming like i'm i'm going through going through this like like crazy awful place like should i hear this like chirpy little cool like sprightly pixely sound when i shoot this weapon like i don't know i didn't it sometimes it it definitely again clashed with what has been set up in terms of the aesthetic and tone of the game Uh, yeah i I definitely get that and i can appreciate that um i I see what you're saying. I, I don't know. I yeah. It's just like it, it kind of made me smile when like it wears its its inspiration on its sleeve like that. So some effects are sick though. Yeah, some I'll of them. Are, some that. of them Again, are great. Some of them are awesome. Yeah, like the uh, I think it's like either the electric gun or the cliver or whatever it is, which is like a like a spasm of like electric burst. I'm like, oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Or like the, when I'm uh, thinking of the effects, I'm yeah. I'm mostly remembering like the the guns and stuff like that, um, and just like the the effects and stuff that they make. Uh, they they always were were like quite charming to me. So. Um, we're running a little bit long here, so I want to talk about uh, a couple more things before we get out of here. Did you ever use the mm-hmm. password system? I did a couple times, um, and then I didn't. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I I don't even remember what you really use. I think to use it to this this is very. I don't remember what you used it for. It's <laughs> very right. unique, um, and I I still don't know if I like it or not. I think I like the idea of it, but it's just like it's so. It's far out there. So there's a password system in Axiom Verge that you can use. And um, 
it lets you implement these like really strange passwords that do different things. So like for example, if you want to find if you want to get the flamethrower, which is perhaps the best weapon in the game, you have to find a password and enter the password in the room the flamethrower is in and then it will glitch out the wall allowing you to get the the flamethrower. Uh, um, well that's why I didn't get that weapon. So and and like these passwords <laughs> are really shit. really hard to find. <laughs> like you have to glitch enemies to get them and watch their patterns as they spell out the password or like you, you have to find them in some different texts. Some of them, like, so the, the little bits of lore that we were talking about are, like, literally in an alien language, and you find a password to translate them uh, a little bit mm-hmm. later in the game. But, like, it's it's kind of a cool concept, but, like, in, in practice, I don't know if I well, if I loved it. Yeah, I mean, again, this is another one of those things where it's, like, the game reminding you that it's, a, like, a throwback to retro indie games because it has to have the password, passcode, password thing just like Metroid had. But the reason why Metroid had it is because it needed it. the NES couldn't support yeah. it. It needed it, right? And it couldn't support regular flash save or any of that kind or whatever, however it worked. It couldn't support save and memory. This game does not need this crap. It's, like, forcing friend codes a billion years later. We don't need it. And it, again, it's one of those things where it's like, aha, uh-huh, like if you, it's like nostalgic, I guess, or it's for people who might appreciate it and that's fine. But for someone who didn't grow up with that kind of game and has played those kind of games and never once thought of that being a good feature or necessary, I didn't understand. Like, I think the only reason why I think I remember looking it up and seeing that there was like a Justin Bailey password when I found it, I was like, okay, like, of course, of course there is like, of course there is, it has to be in here. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a Metroid-inspired game. Uh, I've got um, I've got a nice little piece of trivia for you too. Apparently, Tom Hap went to Nintendo when um, when it was finally revealed that this game is going to be ported to the Wii U and asked if he could put in a password that would unlock Samus's helmet in the game, but uh, they shot him down. But there is a Justin Bailey password which lets you wear the uh, the iconic digs of uh, Justin Bailey in there. You know, I I don't know. Yeah. I think that it's like. It's kind of it's neat in a way because you can you can use the password to uh, the password system too as well like put in like literal game cheats and um, if you do this that's cool you don't get you don't get like achievements if you if you put in um, cheat codes or whatever but like you can augment your jumps you can augment your firepower your defense and stuff like that so like you can use it like if you were having a hard time with the game and and you just wanted to blitz the enemies and stuff you can use this and you can go and destroy the rest of the enemies okay. um so like that's cool there are some cool uses to it but i feel like see i wish that was clearer to yeah me. i was gonna say because like, <laughs> i, I didn't like know it's that it's hard to find all this different stuff like it's, yeah. it's actually nigh impossible if you're not explicitly looking for it yeah like if you when you put it that way i'm like oh that's a cool system to implement for maybe someone who might not be good at this kind of game or wants to augment their gameplay experience in a certain way but I didn't know any of what you just said, so I would have no idea. But now that you've said it that way, I would have probably used it more and, and used it in the way that it should have, I guess, been used. But because it yeah. has to be well, mysterious and, 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 and uh, opaque and whatever, I didn't know. Yeah, and, and you're not alone. I, like, I feel like like I looked up Axiom Verge passcodes because I was like, what the hell do you use this thing for? Like, what what is this? You can do like a sound test on there. You can do lots of different stuff. It's just like very ambiguous um especially in game about how you use it so i i actually don't mind the concept i i'd like to see it come back for axiom verge 2 maybe just a little bit more just like a little bit more straightforward and and that's kind of like the you know my critique for the game in general is like just make things a little bit more straightforward 
One thing that we can agree on that is uh, probably the best part of this game, or at least it was for me, is the actual world itself. Um, lots of, like, this really, to me, the world of, of Sundra really nailed the, the kind of interconnectivity and, like, the breathing world. Each, there's nine different, uh, there's nine different, like, parts of the world, nine different regions, I guess you could say, and each of them feels distinct and unique to me lots of different areas to explore lots of different enemies within those areas i think the music is on point for every single area um this is i actually think and when we threw out this uh, suggestion that we were going to do the inspired by metroid series where like you know eventually we'll we'll do games like blasphemous and ori and hollow knight but like to me this is the most true to form like metroid-esque world because it just the, the interconnectivity the the atmosphere of it, I I think that this world is like just a an achievement of this game. I I can't say enough good things about it. And a really cool thing that I think that this game does too is you have like the the bonus glitch world that you can find too, which is mm -hmm. randomly generated and it's really really cool when you find it. You can get really powerful items if you go and, and explore inside of it. Um, I think that it does like just such a great job with its with its world that I just wanted to end on on that high note. Oh, yeah. My man Tom just killed it. I love, like, one thing about Metroid, or for some of the 2D Metroids, it kind of writes itself into the corner. Like, every area is, like, a cave with something or, like, a scientific-y lab or whatever. Um, in this game, you really have a little more diversity. Like, you do have, like, the caverns and stuff, but, like, each one feels very different um and otherworldly you have like these out and when the game goes outdoors it's it's really picturesque um yeah i i, I like they really kind of or he really leaned into like okay this is like an abnormal world things don't work the same way it's not just a regular kind of sci-fi area yes um it, you know it has like the classic field with grass in the <laughs> in the background you got your snowy area and and i love that because and that's one of the things I love about, like, in Metroid Prime, you have those different kind of areas, too. Fendrana sticks out. It's like that big snowy area, you know, you're exploring. And that snowy area in this kind of game stuck out to me as well. I love the, yeah. I, and, and paired with the music, too. Fantastic. Uh, really amazing job. Yeah. yeah. I love the different areas. I wish I could remember the names. I really don't. <laughs> the names are impossible like, they, to remember, to be are fair. Are they on the map? They, like, are they on the map when you open the map uh, or something? Uh, like, how I'll, do you, I'll tell you know. the names right here. So we have... Um... We have Iribu, Absu, uh -huh. Z, Kerr, Indy, Ukinna, Eden, Ikerma, Mara Uru, and uh, the Glitch World. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so all meaningless names. I think that's maybe one thing I'd like to see in the next game is is maybe names that are um, a little more discernible <laughs> between yes. each other, or maybe have like meaning a little bit. Like, I like let's. Obviously, we're biased as Metroid fans. We look at the names in Metroid like, wow, obviously you could tell the difference based on, you know, we know the difference between these names. But at the same time, like, you have, like, if you think about it, like, in, in Super Metroid, for example, like, Norfair kind of has that feel of, like, a, a cavern of lava and stuff. Like, uh, Criteria, it kind of implies, like, being ground-based, right? Like, um, I don't know. Maybe, again, the Metroid bias. But... It seems like they have a little more discernible names, and the names are the names are definitely more discernible in terms of how they're pronounced and written, right? Like Brinstar sounds way different than Norfair. That sounds way different than Criteria. That sounds way different than other areas in the game. Um, but then in this game, you just listed off ten. I don't even remember any of them. Like, <laughs> like they all sounded the same. 
um, and we're very and are almost indistinguishable. So I kind of and that's another thing about this game is there's so many different names and words and stuff that are just like randomly generated almost. They don't seem to have any kind of like it's hard to tell a difference between them. But I, I who agree. cares what they're named? They are awesome areas. I love how they're done. I love like the 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 back like you see these long distance like these big like they look like big cell like t cells or something in the background or like hornets nests or whatever like some areas like you see like things pulsating in the background and things moving um which remind me of like samus returns like that did that pretty well um yeah i i love how every area looks the the hallucination area is so cool like you're just fighting through that whole area and everything's all trippy i, I actually yeah, love coming I, back after you're done hallucinating in that area too just to see what it looks yeah. like. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Exactly. The world is absolutely fantastic. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say, like, we've talked a little bit about some of the the drawbacks that Axiom Verge has. We've critiqued it a little bit. But, like, I mean, this is a absolutely fantastic, fantastic Metroidvania game. Um, maybe, like, oh, yeah. maybe, like, the truest to form spiritual sequel that Super Metroid has ever had. Um, so I... I can't recommend this game enough. Uh, it's on every platform basically ever. So if you if you have any kind of video game console, you can probably find Axiom Verge. Uh, I even think it's on sale right now in the eShop. I would. I, I can't. I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, I think every every critique I have of this game is nitpicky for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're listening, dude, like I love your game, bro. Like <laughs> like anything that I got, I think negative of this game, like would maybe take like a half a point or maybe maybe a full point off this game this game is very good it is one of the best metroid games i've played for sure like okay yeah it's a metroidvania game but like this is a metroid game yeah for sure um and i think in in many ways it does metroid better than metroid does uh so i'm very excited for axiom verge 2 yes i this game is one of my favorite uh, i'm actually really glad that we did this episode because it's a shame that i didn't play it all the way through the first time uh this is Honestly, a really, really solid game. I'm going to go back and play it again, probably, and try to 100% it or something. Now you're like, oh, there's a flamethrower. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, really, really good game. I can't recommend it enough. If you like Metroid games, you will like this game because it is Metroid, very much so. Um, and the things that we critiqued it on, for sure, I don't think really uh, they're, they're not take away from breakers. the game. Yeah, they're, they're, no, the they're not at all. 100% could it be streamlined? Not. Absolutely. But like, is it, do you play Metroid games for the story a lot of times? Not really. Um, yeah, th- this is this is a Metroid game, and I it stands up there with, uh, like, you know, I, I think that this is probably as good as, like, a Samus Returns or a Metroid Fusion or anything like that. So I... I would, I would say this is, like, better than Samus Returns, could be better than Zero Mission, um... That's it's high it's up there. Yeah. Honestly, it's honestly up th- for me. It's honestly up there with my favorite Metroid game is Fusion, and then Super Metroid. This game is like literally right there under Fusion, right next to Super Metroid for me. Like this is it is very very good. Um, it's very close to. Uh, it's very comparable to Super Metroid, man. Like I it think, is, yeah. I, and, and Super Metroid is your favorite Metroid game, so like I don't. I might be blasphemous to say like it's as good as that. Um, well, I, I, I really it, love I Metroid in a lot of Fusion. Ways, it it takes what made Super Metroid great and like expands on it that. Does it better? Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Like this game is honestly, it, it's like it could be like the best two D Metroid, <laughs> um, or one of the best. I really think it is better than some of the two D Metroids outright for sure. Um, though in the case of like other M, that's not saying anything. That game sucks. Um, <laughs> there but, we go. We yeah, had to get this... it in at least once. <laughs> <laughs> How to get one? Um, yeah, this game is so good. If you like Metroid games, if you like any Metroid game, you'll love this game. It's so good. This guy it, it killed it. it. This is this is like a masterpiece kind of game. 
Um, and I'm really excited to see uh, how Axiom Verge goes. Axiom Verge 2 goes. Absolutely. Axiom Verge 2 is uh, slated to actually come out this fall. So when we have some news about that, we'll, we'll cover it here on the show. Um, Axiom Verge is available on every console, basically ever. So if you are in need of a Metroid game to play in these dry times, go and pick up Axiom Verge. If you haven't played it already, what are you doing? This has been our first episode of Inspired by Metroid. Um, we're going to... We're going to do these kind of semi-regularly, almost like we're doing Mapping Metroid. So you can look forward Mm -hmm. to more games like this uh, coming in the future. If you have any that you want us to cover, let us know. Yes, we know Ori. Yes, we know Hollow Knight. Don't suggest those because those are already on the list. But uh, if there's any others, we're we're open to those. Um, That's going to do it for us. We have... uh, we have ran long today, my goodness, so uh, I'll just remind everybody one more time. June 20th, Black Lives Matter and Zelda Dungeon, we are doing a fundraiser to raise uh, some much-needed funds for all of our friends and allies out in the streets protesting and uh, doing their part. So um, come in, come and join us and come have fun, hang out, and talk Zelda, maybe even talk Metroid if we if we get enough money raised. And, uh, yeah, that's going to do it. Yeah. Um, Dak, cool. I hope that, um... uh, that you can stop by. Yeah, man. I will let you know. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Black Lives Matter. Make sure you guys are still uh, educating yourselves and doing whatever you can to stay part of the cause. And also, make sure you check out Axiom Verge. Um, game is great. I'm looking forward to the next one of these we do because it gets a, gives us a chance to play more games that are like Metroid. We know those aren't coming out very often. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, also, by the way, if any, I know probably none of y'all play this game. If any of y'all play Valorant and you're looking for people to play with, hit me up. I run the Doink Shack, best Valorant server out there. If you want some games, run games every day. Come through and play and I'll let you know what's good. But um, also, I will definitely try to be there for the stream. And I hope that we can do a live episode, maybe play a Metroid game along uh, together sometime soon. Maybe we'll play one of these inspired by Metroid games together. That'd be really cool. But yeah, hey, uh, I'm down for looking that. Looking forward to the next up. Yeah. All right. Well, we hope that you guys are down with this episode. Uh, we want you to check us out over on Podbean and Spotify and iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, go like and subscribe to the Omega Metroid podcast. Leave us a five-star review if you think we've earned it. Uh, you can check us out over on Twitter at Omega Metroid Pod. Uh, I am at Spateri316, and Dak is at the Rapture underscore on Twitter and on Twitch. Uh, that is going to do it for us. Next week, we're going to be back covering federation force so until then doink shock <laughs>